Well, it has been a hard week. As we watch news coverage of that tragic shooting, as we think about those young lives killed because of who they are and who they love. As we heard about their lives from those who love them the most, lives cut so short, so tragically by a murderer filled with all kinds of demons of hate, it's been hard. Add to that the incessant political bickering and bartering as we enter into the summer of the longest election season known to man that has caused us to become more and more divided with each passing week. It feels like chaos. Sometimes it's on the news. Sometimes it's right here in our lives all around us. We can't escape it. Chaos. The image that the ancients had of chaos was that of a sea. That's why the creation story begins with God, and the first thing he does is bring order to the chaos. He separates the sea, pushes them back so there could be sky and sea, sea and dry land, yet sometimes it feels there is no separation at all. All of life is just this great sea, and we're right in the middle of it, so far from the shore we can't see land. And that's always when the storm begins to rage all around us, and we are swamped. Last week, we gathered around tables in the fellowship hall for our World Cafe, and someone asked me this past week what I learned from the World Cafe. I thought about it for a minute and then answered, I I learned what I kind of knew, but I got to see it happen, that when we ask the question and get out of the way, the church knows how to be the church. And that's what I saw you, the church, being church, discerning God's will, asking great questions, seeing where God was leading, what God was calling us to, the spirit moving through your presence and conversation. It was amazing to hear from many people in multiple ways as it just kind of lifted up from the room that we believe that this is a place. What makes us unique, what identifies us as a church is that here everyone is welcome. And we say it, but we mean it, and we want to mean it and learn what it means more and more every day. And I must admit, it was jarring to go from that conversation to watch the news that afternoon, to see a tragedy that no matter how you parse it, was caused by hate, hate of the other, be that person, the other from a different race or another religion or another sexual orientation or another gender identity. It was fear of the other, hate. And it left a lot of of people who often are labeled as other fearful themselves for their own lives, wondering if any place, anywhere, could be safe from hate. Is there any place that hate will not travel in order to do its evil work of destroying life, tearing down hope, and distinguishing love? And yet in the midst of it all, too, was news of hope. Thousands gathering around cities, even here in Des Moines, praying, showing support, standing up, voicing their, giving voice to their hearts that there is a different way. People finding intentional ways to cross lines that normally divide. And it reminds us today of what we said last week, how important it is, our message, who we are. It's more than just a good jingle for a radio spot. But that identity, our distinctiveness, is what our world desperately needs. A place 
where all are welcome and safe and loved. Now, call it an accident or God's timing, but the next text in our journey through Mark might be the very story we need to hear this morning. That's set in in the setting of chaos, a sea. It's a story that's filled with fear. Fear of the storm and fear of the sea, yes, but there's another fear present in this story today. Perhaps it's the greatest fear of all. It wasn't a trip the disciples had even wanted to make in the first place. It's evening when Jesus comes up with this great idea. Let's get on the boat and go to the other side. It had been a long day, but against their better judgment, they get into the boat. And what does Jesus do? He falls asleep. And we know the rest of the story. The closer they get to the other side of that sea, the more intense the storm becomes. Yet through it all, Jesus remains asleep. Mark tells us in the stern... He's asleep on a cushion. The disciples wake him and they are terrified. Don't you know what's happening, Jesus? Teacher, don't you care that we are perishing? Now, in Sunday school, when I first encountered this story with a flannel board picture of Jesus looking whitewashed and and just emotionless, I pictured a half-yawning Jesus, maybe a little upset that his nap got interrupted, but he stands up, quietly whispers in a yawning voice, Peace be still, if you don't mind. But the gospel tells us, Mark's choice of word is that Jesus rebukes the wind. Jesus gets mad and he yells, perhaps because he just got woken up from a nap that he needed. Perhaps because he just can't believe he's here in the boat with these faithless disciples. But he yells, peace, exclamation point, be still, all caps, exclamation point. This is a rebuke. And with Jesus' rebuke, the seas are dead calm. The wind starts blowing. And that is when he asked the disciples this question. Why are you afraid? Have you so little faith? Now, I used to assume that the fear he was referencing, why are you afraid? That question was about them during the storm. Before he calmed the sea, rebuking them for getting scared in the first place. But the more I read the story, the more I think he's talking about another fear. The fear that happens in that moment after the seas have been calm and the wind stops blowing. They are still afraid. Now, they're more than afraid, really. Our English version that we read a moment ago really gets it wrong. It says they were filled with great awe. Now, awe is something we say when we see a cute little bunny. Awe. Or maybe we're surprised. Awe. That's not what's happening here. The Greek phrase behind our English word literally means they feared a great fear. It should be, ah, not all. Jesus calms the storm, and that, that's when they really get afraid. That's when they say to one another, who is this that even the wind and the seas obey him? Now, I'm not sure really why. What are they most afraid of? That's the question I've been asking. Is it the storm? Or is it Jesus who calms the storm? And is it because he calms the storm and that means they must keep making this trip? Because on the other side of the sea, that's what they've been taught to be afraid of. That's where the unknowns live, the territory they would never go for that's foreign territory. There is the religious other, the outcast, those who are unclean and not like them. They worship other gods over there, and no telling what else happens on the other side of the sea. They're not like us. 
Perhaps when the wind started to blow, they thought, wow, what a blessing. Let's go home, Jesus. Don't you care? Wake up, turn the boat around, and let's go. But Jesus wakes up, and he calms the sea, and he stays on the voyage. Nothing will keep Jesus from his mission. And we read right over a detail that was at the beginning of the story, verse 36. You can look back in your own Bibles or on the bulletin if you want to check my facts. But this is the verse. And leaving the crowd behind him, they took Jesus with them in the boat. And Mark tells us they took him just as he was. Did you catch that? Just as he was. What does that mean? To take Jesus just as he is. See, this is... The problem with Jesus, Jesus will never be who we want him to be or what our culture would wish he was. Jesus will never take us where we want Jesus to take us. Try as we may, he will not authenticate our prejudices and he will not give license to fear. He will not let us remain safe on the shores of security and comfort and the way things always have been. If you want to take Jesus in the boat with you, you've got to take him just as he is. And who is Jesus? Well, he's the one who tells us that in spite of our fears, no matter the storm it may cause, let us go across to the other side. And when we began the gospel, we encountered John the Baptist, this fire-breathing evangelist who lived in the wilderness, who people would come flock to him on the edge of society to hear his message. That was his style. But that's not Jesus' style. Jesus doesn't stay put and wait for people to come to him. Jesus climbs in our boats, just as he is, and says, hey, there's people over there. They can't hear. Let's go to the other side and see them. And I wonder, is Jesus in our boat? And if he is, how do we feel about it? What sea is he calling us to cross? There's a lot of chaos out there. There's a lot of fear a lot of things to be feared on the other side of the sea so we could just stay put, remain in the safety of these walls within our comfort zones and never let our, cha- let our preconceptions and prejudices and our traditions be challenged. Let people come to us, share the good news, but only with those who look like us, who don't challenge us and don't rock our boats. We could do that, but if we did it, we might find we look around and Jesus is nowhere to be found. He's got in the boat and he's far away from us, far from the shore, headed to other places. That's all we did. Chances are Jesus has gone from us because we may think the sea is impassable, but Jesus will cross right over whatever sea it may be. The seas of we've never done it that way or the lake of but what would people think? And the ocean of, but they are not like us. Every sea, Jesus will cross. And if you want to be in the boat with Jesus, you've got to take him, just as he is. He's not going to let us stay safe on the shore, but he's going to bring us peace wherever we go as we cross every sea. And maybe this is the message we need to hear. That no matter the width and the depth of the sea, that God's love will cross it every time. It's the message we most need to hear. It's the message our world needs to hear. That there's God's people all over on every side of the sea. But sometimes we need to go on a boat ride with Jesus, face our fears, and see the truth again that there is no end to God's extravagant love. A love that crosses every sea that divides, calms every storm that hate may stir up. A love that welcomes 
everyone, no matter who you are, around God's great table of love. Amen. Let us sing as we approach that table of love. Number 247. A song you may not be familiar with, but a great song that connects with our text. 247 verses 1, 2, 4, and 5.